Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. Well, this is a very exciting episode. I'm speaking today to Dr. Harry Weisinger, an internationally recognized medical practitioner, optometrist, scientist, and university professor. His research experience spans over 25 years across themes covering the effects of nutrition and dietary manipulation on eye health, as well as the regulation of blood pressure, body weight, and body fat. With a diverse array of medical expertise and special interests in nutrition and athletic performance, Dr. Harry's professional experience and academic appointments are extensive. He really is one of Australia's most important anti-aging doctors. As well as co-founding an all-natural plant-based Australian supplement company, Truth Origins, he sees patients in his own private health and high-performance clinic in Melbourne. I love chatting to Dr. Harry because this highly informative episode is dedicated to the science of performance and enhancing vitality. Dr. Harry's experience, both personal and through his medical practice, and advice on effective supplementation, diet, nutrition, and biohacking expertise to improve both life and health span is practical and deeply insightful. You will learn about the role of inflammation in chronic disease and age management, how to work with genetics, and changes to immediately implement for more energy, vitality, and peak performance. I'm absolutely delighted to bring you one of the leading health uh, people that I follow, uh, Dr. Harry Weisinger. Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. I've been stalking you pages. I take <laughs> the Truth Origin supplements that you produce. I've recommended it to my favorite clinic uh, in Australia, Leopardy Saint and All Saints Clinic. So to have an opportunity to, to meet with you and to share your vast knowledge on the subject. I appreciate your your kind words and it's absolutely my pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. Now, if you're not already a subscriber to Truth Origins newsletters and Dr. Harry, you're missing out. Um, I, I absolutely love getting your newsletters and the information that you provide is so so uh, broad, but also really relevant. Um, before we, re- we hit record, um, we were talking about the effects uh, of lockdown on Australian health. Um, and I'd like to touch on that in our conversation today. But let's, let's start with your background. Um, you know, obviously, you're a medical doctor, uh, you're the founder of a plant supplement business, you played an integral role in the launch of um, a brand juggernaut Specsavers in Australia with your research and work on eye health. And um, today, I would like to talk to you about the subject of aging well, and in particular, the things that we can do to take control of our ageless journey and some of the key markers that we're in control of dialing up and dialing down. So let's start with your own health journey, because it's actually quite shocking the role that <laughs> your, <laughs> the, the genetic hand that you were dealt didn't seem to be fair. No, no, I think you could say you could say that um, is true. So I was in good health until the age of 18. So I had a, had a relatively 
uneventful childhood. And then in, in year 12, I started getting abdominal pain. Um, and cutting a long story short, um, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is an inflammatory bowel disease at the age of 18. And that, that um, really disrupted my university life. Um, so I was sort of in and out of hospital with um, bowel obstructions and having to take some fairly strong medication, had a couple of surgeries along the way. Um, and then uh, I was okay for a while. And um, then I, I had a sort of a combination of maladies seemingly all at once. So I had as a... Um, as a 30 something year old, I'd had a hip replacement. I'd had a treatment for lymphoma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Wow. And uh, at the age of 39, I had a coronary stent. So a stent put in my right coronary artery. Um, yeah, so I sort of copped it all at once. And so there I was at the, I guess the age of 40, and I had on my list autoimmune disease, um, chronic arthritis. Um, I'd had cancer, and um, yeah, so and and cardiovascular disease. So I thought I'd better do something um, about my own health. Now, of course, I'd studied health for all of my you know student days, um, right from optometry through to my master's and PhD and then medical school. So I knew a lot about health, but I guess I hadn't really put much of it into practice. And to be, to be fair as well, the medical system, as you're probably aware, isn't really set up for prevention and wellness. It's more, it's, it, it works much better um, when things have gone bad when it's a bit too late so when disease presents then it, then it steps in it's fantastic so once you've got severe osteoarthritis you can have a hip replacement and that's fantastic uh, but prior to that um, in terms of prevention and wellness and longevity uh, medicine is is probably not the place to start I, I believe you and I think that you know um, seeing the changes in the Australian medical system has really seen that uh, the destruction of the amount of time the medical profession is able to spend with a patient. Mm. And so the prevention conversation is really a function of diagnostics and diagnostics, a, a proper diagnostics is a function of time and getting to know not just the problem that they've presented with, but the lifestyle that goes before the problem. And so mm. let's talk about something that you touched on and, and which keeps coming up in my research about uh, wellness and um, longevity and agelessness, which is mm. a passion topic for you, inflammation. What is inflammation mm. and how does it affect the aging process? Mm. Well, inflammation is a, it's a complex process that, or, or series of processes that occur in the body. And the goal of inflammation is basically to deal with insults. I'll call them insults because that's what the medical um, world refers to, injury and illness and, and that sort of thing, infection. 
deal with insults and then begin the process of cleaning things up and then beginning to heal and repair. So we all know and we're all familiar with inflammation and its, and its characteristic signs. So if you think about if you were hit by a golf ball on your thigh, you, you would pretty quickly notice an area of redness. It would be swollen. It would be hot. Um, it would be painful. And it would, depending on where, where it was, it would affect the function. So they're the five characteristics of, of inflammation. And I guess there's um, the other way to think about it is the, the, you know, how do we get inflammation? It's basically there are chemical messengers in the body which trigger the movement of cells and fluid and, and also co-opting the blood vessels to release certain things to create those five characteristics that I mentioned. The, the, so inflammation is essential. It's necessary. Without it, we die. So it's, it's absolutely crucial in how we handle things like cuts and abrasions and infections and, and precancerous changes in our body and that sort of thing. So it's a bit of a, um, uh, it's a, bit of a, a misnomer or a misunderstanding to think that inflammation is bad. It's not bad. It's absolutely fundamental to our survival. The problem occurs when inflammation is dysregulated or inappropriate. A classic example of that, the, so the best example I can give you is anaphylaxis, right. which is an inflammatory response to something that's um, foreign to the body so the body goes, oh, my goodness, there's something foreign here. We need to deal with it. So we're going to send fluid and cells and we're going to open up the blood vessels so it happens really fast. And it just so happens to affect the throat and the airways and possibly the mouth. And that can, of course, cause airway restriction and cardiorespiratory failure. That's the extreme example of, of inflammation that is a sledgehammer when finesse is needed. You know, when a, when a sewing what a kit is needed. great visual example. I absolutely right. get it. And, it. and it is, you're right, it's, it's, a, it's kind of like an overreach. <laughs> it's, a, it's a total overreach. So it's, it's like, yeah, anaphylaxis to a bee sting. Okay, so I've got a little bee sting, a tiny little bit of venom has entered my body. So what I'm going to do is kill myself with inflammation of my throat. It's, it, so it's this dysregulated inflammation that is the cause of so many of the illnesses that affect us today. Now, as you know, if I can take a step back and talk about what aging is from, from a, I guess, from a medical point of view. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I mean, so without wanting to go into too much depth, because I, I really don't, and I need to declare, I'm not a geneticist. I'm, a, I'm an avid follower of health, wellness, agelessness. You know, the, the thing, we are interested in the same things. But it's, it's important that I guess people understand that there, is, um, there are metabolic changes and genetic changes 
and epigenetic changes that occur over time. They're characteristic. And this is, it's, it's the fact that they're characteristic and occur over time that has led people now for millennia to believe that it is, um, it's a fait accompli. It's going to happen to all of us um, because over time we collect these uh, defects in our genetic material, um, in the epigenetic changes that occur, in the metabolic changes that occur. These happen over time and there's nothing we can do about it, apparently, although you and I are going to talk about a, a different view to that. Um, but what, what happens is typically these things happen over, over time. We get these collections of defects and cellular junk and all this stuff that leads to what we understand as the correlates of aging, our skin changes, our hair changes colour, our, our face loses volume, our blood vessels get atherosclerotic, our joints get more painful, our thinking less clearer, that sort of thing. These happen characteristically over time. So that's, that's aging. And it just so happens that um, these are correlated with an increase. So these aging processes are correlated with an increase in inflammation and the diseases of inflammation and the markers of inflammation. Now, whether it's cause or effect is not always clear. Did the inflammation cause the aging or vice versa? Wow, but I don't think it actually I don't think it actually matters. I think when you when you affect one, you affect the other. And so, you know, they're so closely interrelated. And you you said before, um, you know, in, in terms of in terms of wellness and longevity and health span. So the nut, you know, the not just about living longer, but about living well Absolutely. longer. So much of that is about avoiding chronic disease. And I, I know we're all after utopian, you know, waking up feeling fantastic and being beautiful and thinking clearly and, and that sort of stuff. But to get to that, you've got to get through avoiding diabetes avoiding heart disease, avoiding arthritis, avoiding Alzheimer's, you know, so. I always and, say that a great analogy is, you know, everything, everything else is a distraction until you have a real distraction. So, you know, the people who get cancer or have some right. kind of massive health issue or a massive loss or crisis in their life, at mm. that point, nothing else matters. So you're quite right. We have to mm. avoid the big moments, those big things that can really destroy our lives so that we can enjoy not just lifespan, but also health span. I totally exactly. agree. Exactly. And we know that we know that about a third of us at this point are going to die of cardiovascular related causes. A third of us will die from cancer related causes. And then the rest is made up of the constellation of things like metabolic disease. What is and, metabolic um, disease? So things like diabetes. Okay. Um, predominantly, but also liver disease. This is, this is increasing in prevalence. Um, 
So if, and, and these are all related, you know, it, there seems to be a relationship with all of these things and inflammation, dysregulated inflammation, not necessarily the cause, but if I told you that um, cancer is caused 15 to 20%, maybe a quarter even of all cancers, are caused by chronic inflammation at a particular site in the body. Therefore, if we can do something to reduce the inflammation at that site, whether it's in breast tissue or the colon or somewhere else, then we are reducing our chances of getting cancer and, and thereby setting ourselves up for a better trajectory of, of wellness and longevity. So that's, so that's my view. Um, that's my view of inflammation and um, and wellness and longevity. What can we do? What's in our hands on the epigenetic side of things? So we've got the genetic coding that mm. can't be changed, and mm. then you have lifestyle and you have epigenetics, and you have yeah. um, a, a, you know a number of things that are now available and understood since we've done the gene testing, since we've done mm. all of that research, and certainly. Um, you know, in our conversation earlier, we were saying that, you know, the pandemic has opened up the doors for people to be curious and invested in their own personal mm. health journey. Absolutely. Well, great question. What can we do? What can we do to, to reduce our aging and, and live better is, uh, is, I believe, the question you've just asked me. I think, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. So I'm an I'm a avid uh, baseball fan. And um, so, sorry if I go a little bit off track here, but in, in baseball, what, what happens is um, early in the season, a, a particular baseball team, and I follow the Yankees, mm -hmm. they, they'll look at, at how many wins and losses they've had. And what they'll do is they'll project out what it looks like the team is going to have won and lost by the end of the season. So they project out looks like the Yankees are going to win 93 games this year, okay? And, of course, things happen along the way and they change the, they change the trajectory and, and so forth. And I, I actually think about lifespan and wellness in exactly the same way. Your, your, your genetics and your environment basically combine to give you a trajectory of how long and how well you're going to live, in my view. So let's suppose the average life expectancy in Australia today is about 80, 80 to 85, depending on whether you're a man or a woman. Um, and you can, there are things that will negatively affect your trajectory that will actually make it that you might not make it to the average lifespan. And there are things you could do to increase your longevity and wellness, which is, of course, what we're talking about. If I'm honest, I think, I think COVID and, the, and, and all of the associated lockdowns and restrictions and mental health issues um, have, had a, have had a real impact on people's trajectory. And I think really? all of us... Oh, I, I'm absolutely convinced. So you and think I, that down the track, we're going to see a, a marker, which was this 18 months, two years in, you know, the history of humanity, 
I do. That, that is actually going to negatively impact our life. I do. Wow. I do. And not I from really the disease, but from the from what happened to us. Exactly. I really, really, really do believe it. But I also believe that there are things we can do to tip it back in our favour to get back up towards 93 wins for the season. And so there, there are things that definitely give us a hit to our wellness and our longevity. We know, for instance, that loneliness is a massive factor. It's, it's huge when it comes to life expectancy. Um, and as I said, chronic inflammation, chronically high cortisol levels in the body can cause a reduction of lifespan. Sleeping less, insomnia and other associated conditions um, can lead to reduction of lifespan and wellness. So the place to start looking, I think, is in, you, you can't do anything about your genetics, okay? We know that. Epigenetics is really, you've got genetic code, and just, just for your listeners, to, just to clarify what this means, is your genetics are the genetic code. These are your genes, and, and these genes in turn encode proteins. And the simplest way to think about it is there are proteins that, um, make it so your eyes are brown and there are proteins that make it so your eyes are blue and so on and so forth. So your genetics, you don't choose. You're given those. Um, they're handed down. But then epigenetics is what is done with those genes because epigenetics is all about turning on and off genes because it's not just about, it's not just about having the genes. They actually have to be turned on to make the protein that encodes for the particular characteristic or they can be turned off. These are fundamental concepts that affect our health and well-being, and we're learning more about these all the time. Um, so for instance, a cancer cell uh, is very cunning because it, what it does is it, through epigenetic means, turns off DNA damage repair genes because we've got damage repair genes built into our genome. Cancer cells turn those off. That's an epigenetic phenomenon. That's bad for us, for instance. So, that, so that, that's epigenetics. As you say, lifestyle, which probably exerts its influence through epigenetics, um, is fundamental. And it is obviously the easiest thing for us to affect. We not necessarily easy from a motivational point of view, but it's, we know, for instance, that sleeping between seven and eight hours gives you a much better outcome than sleeping less than seven hours. We know the effects of that in terms of how we look, how we feel, how we think, but also on our susceptibility to cardiovascular disease and stroke, diabetes, and, and a whole manner of, of um, neurodegenerative diseases as well. So sleep. I mean, it sounds really simple, doesn't it? But most, most people, and I, I even need to tell my patients that the, the place to start, the reason most people are sleep deprived is they, they, they do the maths wrong. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't go to bed at midnight, set your alarm at six and get eight hours of sleep. 
it's not possible. So you, you need to first do the maths, make sure there's an eight hour opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> because then you'll probably get, if I know if I'm in bed for eight hours, I'll get seven hours sleep. So, you know, with tossing and turning and, and what have you, I know that um, I'll get above that critical seven hour number. So that's, that's the first thing. Um, and something that we, we should all be able to improve if we're not sleeping well today. Simple things like mathematics first, cold, yeah, cool, dark room, etc. cetera, um, soundproofing if needed and so forth. But then um, I think, and, and most of my, so I, I have a clinic that specialises in weight loss and longevity. And um, I think the, the biggest thing that most people can do to improve is, their, is change their diet. You know, diet is fundamental. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it comes up in every single study about longevity and, yep. you know, um, mm. you, can't, you can't avoid it. You have to have the conversation, don't you? Absolutely. So we know that a lot of the um, a lot of the studies have demonstrated um, things like calorie restriction and its benefits for longevity. Also, I'm a big proponent of a ketogenic diet. I, I, I think it's when it's deployed in bursts, it's very effective. So a two to three month block of ketogenic diet. Um, intermittent fasting is a brilliant tool that everyone can do. We I've are been doing it for a year now. And oh, I, it's, it's a game changer. Like my sleep, sleep, uh, my brain fog, my energy, um, my resilience to mm -hmm. colds and flus, like night and day, the best thing I've ever done. Two things. I take metformin. I, I, I think it's it's been amazing for me and um intermittent fasting and they're easy absolutely do absolutely you, so do you in mm -hmm. your weight loss um uh you know diagnosis and recommendations do you mm -hmm. do you believe that your genetics play a part on what kind of diet you should be on do you do genetic testing and then make recommendations on whether it should be ketogenic intermittent fasting, Mediterranean, mm -hmm. uh, you know, restrictive in some other way? It's a good question. Um, again, I think at a, I, I don't, the short answer is I don't do genetic testing because I don't know the relationship. I wouldn't know what to do with the results is the short answer. Um, and I believe at a, at, a, at a basic level that everyone can benefit from a certain amount of carbohydrate restriction, calorie restriction, and fasting. So I don't actually think genetic testing would contribute too much to what I do. Yes. And I don't think it contribute much to the success of my patients either. Um, what I can tell you is certain people don't do as well on a ketogenic diet as they do on a intermittent fasting program and vice versa. Some people do better in reverse. Um, so, and again, in my, in my practice, I, I see a lot of athletes as well. So they're looking for marginal improvements and marginal gains. 
So then it becomes a trade-off of performance versus weight loss because there is a point where you're carbohydrate restricted so so much that you can't perform as well as an endurance athlete or as a high-end um, you know, power athlete. Um, so, so I think um, diet is fundamental uh, to, to longevity. Um, we've discussed sleep. I think um, exercise is obviously the pillar, the next pillar. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that it doesn't take a lot of exercise to get the full benefit that exercise can provide in terms of wellness and longevity. I, you know, I do remember um, back when I was doing psychiatric rotations, the professor in the department was a massive advocate of exercise instead of antidepressants because the studies that had been done showed that the positive benefits for mood, which of course is a massive element of wellness, the positive benefits of exercise were as great as any antidepressant uh, medication. Of course, it's a difficult thing to motivate, to get motivated to exercise when, you're, when your mood is low. But um, if people are able just to start exercising, as I said, I don't think it takes much. It probably takes 30 minutes a day of zone two exercise. The, the more the merrier obviously, but it really doesn't take that much. And when I say zone two, it's not walking. It's got to be a bit more than walking. It's got to be... You've got to throw in a few hills and... You've got to throw in some hills and you've got to, you've got to be puffing a bit, but able to talk is probably the best guide. So for, for me, that's when you know, I'm 50 now. And, and so when my heart rate is one... 28 to 130 I'm in zone two and I can still talk if I'm on my bike I can talk to the person next to me um, and I know that's doing fantastic benefit um, in in similar ways to what metformin is doing because these these are all acting um, in, epi, in through epigenetic changes um, they, they are improving things like autophagy which I'm sure your listeners are aware of it's the, it's the mechanism by which the body recycles um, material when it goes into a stress situation. So the idea is to put the body into a bit of stress to activate um, autophagy, which basically turns over all the um, dead and dying cells and genetic material and mitochondria and all that stuff that are a bit frayed around the edges. And that renews us. So um, what are your thoughts? I know that you have a supplement mm. company and yep. I'm going to get to talk about some of the things that you've created in that range because it's a really tight edit, which I appreciate because it can be really confusing. But mm. um, do, have you studied or are you interested in that field of nootropics and um, what you can do um with the brain and mm. um, supplementation for cognitive health, uh, memory, brain fog, performance? Mm. Great question. Yes, I am interested. I'm very, I'm, I'm interested in all of this stuff. Me too. Like, like, like you, I want to, I want to think more clearly. I want to perform better. I want to look better. I want to live longer. I mean, that's the goal, right? 
And of course, how you think and, and you know, that's so fundamental with, with so many of us now, and more and more of us thinking, thinking for a living, but all of us need to think clearly. No matter, even if, even if you're a gardener uh, for a living or, or a painter and decorator, you still need to think more clearly. And when you do think clearly, you, you feel better. So I'm absolutely interested in nootropics. I confess I've tried a bunch myself. Um, I have you yeah, found I'm, have you found some success in that space? Particularly, I'm really interested in the um, uh, mushrooms and uh, yeah. and what they're doing in that space. It's really interesting to me, and I'm playing around in that area myself. I'm excited. indeed, indeed. So, so I need to I need to basically put up a signpost here to say that. Um, there is a difference between what I do for myself and what I recommend for my patients. Yes, sure. What I, rec what I recommend for my patients is evidence-based. There's research behind it. There's safety and tolerability data behind it. And, it. and there's net benefit when you weigh up all the studies that have been done. For myself, I have a much lower bar. Okay, so if if there's the possibility that chaga mushrooms will improve how I think and feel, I'm going to try them because I think to myself, it's a mushroom extract. How bad could it be? Mm. All right. Other people are taking it. And I know that's what most people do. They, you, you go on a bit of social proof. Um, yeah, this, you know, there's a few good reviews and so on and so forth. So I definitely am interested in that space and I have experimented. I must confess, I haven't felt... I haven't personally felt much of a change, and I and I gave it a good go. Um, I gave it a good go with um, chaga mushrooms and and other nootropics that I've tried. But I am actively monitoring the literature all the time to see if anything comes up. And and to be fair, these studies are hard to do because the outcomes that they're trying to measure, it's very difficult. How could you quantify, how can you quantify clear thinking or- But you, you know, can measure difficult. memory, you can measure short-term, long-term memory. You can, yeah. you can. And I think, I think the other thing, of course, we need to take into account is the placebo effect, which, which is real. And, and can account for as much as 30% of any- And I don't mind the placebo effect. Absolutely. I mean Absolutely. Completely agree. So I'm with you there. I think, um, and this is going to sound strange from a, a, a person that's got a supplement company, but I'm, I'm a bit pessimistic um, and sceptical about most supplements. And let me, let me explain myself because I don't, I don't want to put my own company out of business. I'm, I'm very deliberate about um, how I think about and talk about supplements I, I, at a high level, I believe most supplements that people consume are unhelpful, okay? Why? Well, again, from an evidence point of view, there's very little evidence to suggest that taking a, a, a supplement that puts you above the normal range of whatever it is, actually has benefit. There are some exceptions, okay? And I do, I do want to 
I do want to qualify everything I talk about with respect to supplements because it's really important to get this across. If there is deficiency, if you are vitamin C deficient, vitamin D deficient, magnesium, zinc deficient, okay, then absolutely there is a role for supplements because we know that there are often quite deleterious effects of having deficiency. Vitamin D is a classic example. I know, classic. I was going to say that was the first supplement from Truth Origins that yes. I was introduced to. And, yes. and I loved it because it's liquid, it's a spray. So you don't have to take horse pills, one less horse exactly. pill to take. Um, but yeah, it, it makes a difference. It does. And the, and the reason it makes a difference is because deficiency is common and deficiency, just so your listeners know what vitamin D does, it helps us absorb calcium from the diet. Calcium is essential for cells to work. Muscles, neurons, everything relies on calcium. So if you don't get enough calcium from your diet, the body doesn't go, oh, well, there's not enough calcium. I'll do without it. No, it takes it from your bones. Yeah, it leaches it, Which right? is the best store. So vitamin D deficiency ultimately leads to osteoporosis and from osteoporosis, bad things happen. So vitamin D is fundamental, but your listeners might also be interested to know that vitamin D supplementation actually is associated with a reduction of dermatitis. So atopic dermatitis, so eczema, um, psoriasis is reduced by vitamin D. Um, and there's some evidence to suggest that it can reduce the incidence of non-melanoma skin cancer. So vitamin D is a bit of a curious one and it's, and it's because of the evidence, it's in our lineup, right? It's in my list of vitamins that are important and work, supplements that work. Yeah, there's a couple of others um, that I think are important and have a lot of literature behind them. Omega-3 fatty acids, you'll be aware of. Um, so I did, I did my master's and PhD in, in this field. And Is it true that omega-3 fatty acids can actually help reduce visceral fat around the belly? I'm not sure there's that much evidence for that, although I have seen something like that. Yeah, I read I a PhD the, paper on it and I was like, mm, okay, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's interesting. Um, I think the more established claims about omega-3 fatty acids are with respect to cardiovascular disease yes. reduction. Um, so that's, that's one. And, and we know that it is essential for neural development and neural function and eye development and eye function. Dr. And Harry, so can, we, can we improve our eye health and eye age? Is this, is this a possibility that we can actually improve our eyesight? Well, I mean, outside of um, having, outside of having your, um, your prescription, because there's, there's, there's a couple of sides to vision there's the optics of your eye and then there's the health of your eye. Yes. Now the optics, yeah, yeah. And the optics of your eye can obviously be, um, if they're not quite right, they can be remedied in almost all cases with a pair of spectacles or contact lenses. So you can optimize your vision with, op with good optics, spectacles or contact lenses. 
And then the other side of the coin is the health of your eyes. And, and the goal really should be just to maintain the health of your eyes. It's, it's, probably, um, it's probably quite similar to maintain eye health as it is maintaining general health in that the, the principles are similar. We're trying to avoid poisoning this part of our body. We're trying to avoid inflammation in that part of the body. So it, the same principles <clears throat> that serve you well for, for your general health will tend to serve you well for the, for the health of your eyes. And will blue light <clears throat> affect the health of your eyes? good question and it's a really common one um so most most of that light is actually absorbed by the media of the eye so most most visible light okay or most invisible light is absorbed so things like ultraviolet and infrared are absorbed by the tissues of the eye the cornea the lens the liquid in the eye and so forth. Visible blue light obviously gets through. Not all of it gets through, but some of it gets through. And we have receptors in the back of the eye that catch blue light specifically. That's their job. So there's a pigment in the cells at the back of the eye and the retina that absorb blue light. That's their job. Blue light, therefore, is not deleterious to our health, but there is some, there is some. Um, evidence that blue light can decrease the production of melatonin and thereby affect sleep regulation. <clears throat> so, I, so the evidence is not strong. There's certainly a lot more uptake of blue light blocking lenses than there is evidence for their use. I've, I've got a pair of blue light blocking lenses that I use to read before bed, because like most people now, I'm reading from a screen as opposed to a book and or a computer. And, and um, you know, I did so with the thinking that I'll just try and do whatever I can to improve my my chances of sleeping well. But, it, but it's not... So you're doing it to improve the chances of sleeping well, <clears throat> not... A, yes. The concern isn't damage to your eye. I don't have, I don't it's have that concern. It's the melatonin inhibition. Totally. totally. So let's talk. Let, I'll, I'll get off the eye thing because I think we should have a conversation all about <laughs> the eye separately. Happy to do that. <laughs> but um, let's stay on the supplementation that you think is worth it and is warranted yes. and that you've invested your own money into creating. Yes. Yes. So there are there are two. There are two supplements I believe have got a weight of scientific evidence that that is compelling. And as you say, I've invested a lot of my own time and money and we have world-class people that have developed our products. The first of these is um, cannabidiol or non-psychoactive cannabis oil. So derived from the cannabis plant, um, it's not. It's it's by prescription in Australia, which I believe. It's not is in your Truth Origins brand, is it? <clears throat> it's not in the. We 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 have a we have a sister company in the UK called Truth Naturals. That's right. Yes. Um, yeah, and and 
and CBD oil is legal in many parts of the world and so many people find benefit for sleep and anxiety and pain. It's by prescription here, um, but I believe that is I believe that is one really, really promising supplement. I won't, I won't say any more on CBD oil. Um, <clears throat> the other one is curcumin. Yes, yes, yes. Which is my favourite. It's, it's, it's my hero. Anti-inflammatory. It's my hero supplement. It's, I believe it's the most important supplement that anyone can take. And the evidence for its use is compelling. It's, we have tens of thousands of studies on curcumin. <clears throat> it's, as you say, it's, its best known benefit is in reducing inflammation, reducing so dysregulation. Uh, turmeric. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's got such a history of it. I mean, in Ayurvedic medicine, in Chinese medicine, um, so, you know, in the ancient medic medicines, it's got... It does. Yeah. It does. So it's, I mean, with, without wanting to sound like it's a panacea, I mean, it's not a treat-all, but some of the, some of the things that are uh, being established now are it's effect on inflammation, how it reduces dysregulated inflammation and pain. So things, everything from endometriosis to osteoarthritis, it can, it can reduce inflammation and pain. And we have customers that have taken themselves off a hip replacement list after starting to use curcumin. We did a, we did a study on our, on our repeat customers and found that something like 50 to 60% had had a significant reduction in pain after a few months. I mean, it's profound, it's a massive effect on, on pain reduction. As, as good as Nurofen in many cases, and in many cases- Because it's anti-inflammatory. Because it's anti-inflammatory. They were able to get off painkillers and anti-inflammatories. The other, the other um, quite well-known uh, benefit of- curcumin is its effect on cancer cells. So curcumin can kill cancer cells, certain cancer cell lines, things like colon cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer have all been studied. And for that reason, it's being widely investigated by drug companies as an adjuvant, not as a sole treatment. It's important to, to explain that this is not, a, this is not an alternative <laughs> to chemo, radiotherapy and other forms of treatment at all. But, it, but if it helps reduce the disease burden, it is very helpful. And if it can prevent cancer, that would be very helpful as well, obviously. And can I ask you, are there optimal levels? Because that's, that's the part where my brain explodes. Mm, good question. The, the interesting thing about turmeric and curcumin, as you say, it's been, it's been used for thousands of years now in cooking and Ayurvedic medicine. Interestingly, it's really poorly absorbed. You could, eat, you could eat a kilogram of turmeric and most of it will pass through you without so much as a skerrick of it getting into your blood and therefore getting to the place that's needed. So what we've managed to do is improve its bioavailability, that is the amount that reaches the bloodstream. Um, by 
in a, in a very natural way. So without heat or chemicals by through, through our formulation um, and, and the use of other ingredients, we're able to improve bioavailability by a thousand times. And that means it gets into the blood. So it's not really, it's not so much about dose because what's more important is bioavailability. And the, and the, the key point is um, that even in high doses, curcumin is safe. You're very unlikely to ever get too much curcumin into your body. So the key is actually to get a curcumin that gets into your bloodstream and to do that, it needs to be modified. So you can't just add turmeric to your, to your latte or, um, or to your cooking. It, yeah, so that's, that's, that's my thing to say there. The other, um, the final thing which has caught my attention recently is mulberry extract. Oh. Now we, don't, we don't have a mulberry extract, but we are looking to add it to our current formulations. There's, there's Is it from the leaf or from the fruit? Because I, the, I, I have heard a lot. Yes. It's from yeah. the leaf and um, it's, it's purported to reduce carbohydrate absorption. Oh. Okay. Which is, yes, very yes. interesting. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Anything that reduces carbohydrate absorption, oh. lowers insulin levels, and then it's all good news from there. So we're looking, we're looking at mulberry extract very keenly now as an, as an additional ingredient in our base curcumin formula. Curcumin, of course, has been also shown to have um, some metabolic benefits in terms of um, blood glucose control. That, that's, the jury's still out on that, but there is some exciting research being done. So, yeah, that's my, that's my view on supplements. Well... Oh. I, there is yep. so much I could I could dive into the screen and I just want to sit down <laughs> here and and talk through and through and through. But I I think we absolutely have to have another episode with you. I know. I feel like we've I feel like I've only just got started. We've this only is, just um, warmed up. But we're an hour and we've only just. But <laughs> Dr. Harry, thank you so much. Uh, it's such a pleasure to speak to you, and I promise I'm going to have you back on the show uh, because we've only just begun. I I actually want to do an episode with you on um, men and women and um, the ageless journey. I think that there's a lot to unpack there. And I do, I actually have more questions around supplementation that that would be great to cover off. But um, for today, I want to thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your wonderful wisdom. And I'm going to have some links so that people can sign up for your newsletter because I I love your newsletters that um, they're, they're informative, they're entertaining, and um, they're a real shot of information and well-researched information. So I'd love to share Thank that with you. my audience too. Oh, it's been a pleasure, absolute pleasure. And it has gone just way too quick, hasn't it? But thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. See you again soon. Great. See you soon. Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy, Reignite Your Relationship course. Love your relationship but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy and keep the lines of communication open. 
join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that. 